Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Austin Baker, here with Ron Saw, Brian McKinney, and Sal Spice. The Vikings are 7-1, heading into a daunting date, perhaps daunting, with the Buffalo Bills. We're not sure who's going to quarterback those Bills, Josh Allen or your pal, Case Keenum. But we'll get into that. We didn't we didn't get to record on Monday, so we got to talk a little bit about the Commander's aftermath and then preview the Bills. First, however, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. Basketball is back. And BetOnline remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the BLEAV promo code, BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. The Vikings are in the number two seed at 7-1. and one. They are one game behind the Eagles, who are 8-0, who have a couple t- challenging opponents coming up. The Vikings beat the Commanders, who the Eagles play this week, I believe. And here we are going to digest some of that and then get into the Bills game, which is a gigantic question mark because we don't know who will play quarterback for them. That's on everybody's uh, you know, minds this week. Sally, foremost, reaction to the commander's game. I thought it was it was so fabulous because they didn't really squander a lead. They they know they're up by seven, but then they just turned on the Jets when it mattered most. And that's what got me ultra hyped. But let's hear from you. Really? So I kind of feel differently about this game than I have about all of the other ones. It was the first time this season, really, outside of the Eagles game, where I felt that maybe they weren't going to get it together. Um, oh, I felt that, too. End. Yeah, but I haven't felt that yet this year. I've been riding high. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> so I, this was the one game where I started getting kind of worried there towards the end, especially um, when they were down at the goal line and they got the penalty. So they got a fresh of three uh, three new downs after they kicked yeah. it, you know, and when they couldn't convert that into seven points, I was just like, oh, gosh, you know, I don't <laughs> feel great about this. But they pulled it out again. And um, it doesn't really matter if it was pretty, you know, they they got it done. So I think that I got excited by this because I felt like you with about, you know, in real time, about 45 minutes left in the game. I was like, this is just one of those games, I guess, where we don't have it. And this is a throwback to the old road team. And then it was like they just kind of said, all right, we're done being goofy. We're just going to go win the thing. And it's time to get real. And uh I always like the wins that they've had are fantastic and they've, you know, 
lost an 11-point lead, 10-point lead, and then come back and they win. That's fine. But I always get salty about losing a lead in general. This one didn't feel that way because it was only 7 nothing, or whatever it was. And this one just – because this is what good teams do. Like, you know, they might have an off day, but in the fourth quarter, they just, you know, press a button and it's go time. And that's what I felt that these guys did. And they gave me a little bit more excitement than the other wins outside of the Packer one because that was, you know, kind of a statement. Bryant, your reaction to the Commander's win? Um. I definitely feel like they were going to find a way to win. I did I did think it was going to be a close game, though, because I felt like you had two quarterbacks who wanted to kind of like, you know, compete really hard against their former teams or whatever. Um, yeah. And you remember remember I said that like last week, I said, yeah, I'm going to throw out all the can't win on the road outside in the grass type of thing, mm-hmm. and I, they're going to still pull it off. I did feel like they would pull it off. Um, I was keeping track of this game, honestly, too, because I kind of did get, like, unsure for a minute. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they might not win. And that's the thing about, like, all the things that I said. But then they found a way to pull it off at the end. And um, and as you can see, um, Kirk Cousin was very happy about that because as he was on this plane ride, <laughs> going back and forth, and they was singing Antonio Brown's song and doing a little dance. And I know that felt good for him to be able to go back there and walk away, you know, with a win. And then, you know, also be 7-1. Ron, uh, I was kind of like Bryant and Sally thinking, you know, rationalizing myself. All right, we lose this thing. We ultimately lost to a five and four team that has this ferocious run defense. And then we're on the road. I was starting to do that chatter in my head. But then they won. What's your take, sir? Well, you know, it was, I mean, all things considered, um, they. I think they played pretty well. Like, I like even the, the interception at the end of the half. I like the fact that Kurt we had a play where Kirk gave his receiver the chance. Now there were a couple of times in that game. I think there were two where if Jefferson wants to be the best receiver in the game, which I think talent wise he is, he's got to come down with those 50, 50 balls more than what he kind of has been. I mean, he did it two other times that game. So we're splitting hairs here, but uh, now there was pass interference, I would say, but even with that interception didn't bother me so much because they were trying to be aggressive and get points. So I'm happy with that. Um, And then just the, the moxie of this team, the resilience to come back and, and put it together and, you know, come back from a 10 point deficit after what was a very Vikings thing that happened where we've <laughs> never seen the the referee running into Cam Bynum on a sure interception. Um, if not an interception, at least a bat down. But uh, it changes a great defensive play one way or another into a touchdown, which everyone was just baffled by. So um, they were able to overcome that. But that was right away. I'm like, that is such a Vikings thing to happen, like something that you've never seen before. Um, but they overcame it and, you know, Kirk put together, um, some good throws, the throw to Jefferson when he got hammered, um, big, mm-hmm. big play right there. Um, and, uh, the ball placement on that cook touchdown and then that, the one handed catch by Dalvin. So, um, I mean, yeah, a win's a win on the road. Um, you know, they're seven and one, they go to, uh, you know, what would be their ultimate, ultimately their biggest test, but the the swagger of this team is uh is on fire right now, and I think that's all thanks to you know Christian Derisaw when he initially put the chain on Kirk in the first the first time, and man that thing is spiraled into such a good good vibes all around, and uh, I I'm loving it over here. Brian, does some of that uh, you know shenanigans, the shit that we're seeing, does this remind you of the 2009 fun times at all? It does, and the fact that they're even having fun lets you know that um, it's like it's, it's things are going good. And and I, honestly, I like to see that how the team got around each other, and that means that the guys 
are getting pretty close in the locker room. That's very important is having the guys, you know, feel like they have each other's back and just having a good time with each other. So me seeing that, I was, I, I was actually happy to see it. I'm like, okay, they're having a good time. They all get along, like, for the most part. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what stands out um, to me about it, too, is that is what it shows. That's what it indicates to me, that it's mm-hmm. more than let's just go to work and go home. And mm-hmm. these guys are in this clique and these guys are in that clique. Right. And that is to me, it's like looks like it's such a bonding experience. And there was that in 2017, but 2009 is like the peak of, of yeah. seeing all of that stuff. So it that, I think, is actually an intangible thing that's really important. It is. Even furthermore on that, like you look across or just the depth chart across the, or across the board, um, no one player feels like they're above anyone else. Like you look at the relationship between JJ and KJ, for example, you look how TJ Hawkinson comes in and fits right in and just balled out. And then even look, I look at the other side of the ball, a Kale Evans came in and he not only was doing it in the passing game, but he was doing it in the run coverage. But mm-hmm. if you look even deeper into that, when he goes to the sideline, the first person coming to high five him and dap him up is, is booth the mm-hmm. guy who was taken ahead of him. So it's not like a case where I know, and I'm not ragging on Buffalo. This just goes back to the first game of the year where um, the cornerback that they took, um, um, I think Elam, um, the one out of Florida, mm-hmm. he was their first round pick, but they took a fifth round pick rookie who ended up starting over him. And like all game, you just picture, they, they keep focusing it on Elam and he looks like pissed off at the world that he didn't win the job. And But you're not seeing that out of boot. So um, those are the little things where there's something different with this vibe and and again, I'm not um, criticizing any past regime. They're just this group of players, they're rallying together, um, and it's exciting to see. We well, usually get into some of the surprises from the game, and the one that I had that just stood off the page was, uh, I think two days before the game, I wrote a piece on vikingsterritory.com about how if the Vikings want, they can, they can make TJ Hawkinson their Mark Andrews or their Travis Kelsey in terms of target load. That man can handle it. If TJ Hawkinson went to the Chiefs because Travis Kelsey got hurt, they could use him in that same role. I didn't know if the Vikings would do that, let alone the first time he'd ever seen the offense. So when they're targeting him like a madman, I think as Thielen regrettably slows down, that if they so desire, and they did against the commanders, they can target TJ Hawkinson seven to 15 times a game and he can handle it. And it's more than just, you know, a Johnny Munt who can be there to catch the ball every once in a while. He can be a tremendous asset. And that just, it's beautiful. It makes the trade look worthwhile. If only for a game. Wait until he actually learns the playbook too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That's yeah. Yeah. I I had people emailing me asking me how, how much they, I don't know if they were looking for fantasy advice, but emailing me asking how many targets that I thought he would say. And I was saying, Oh, about four to six to kind of get his, toe in the water and then the dude got nine which is the most by a vikings tight end since rudolph in 2018 so it, it was a brave played a brave most of the world. snaps yeah and I, then there was that one play where like i said out to a lot of people where he was one-on-one with a montez sweat one of the best pass rushers <laughs> in the game and he looked like a tackle out there so yeah you know for but more importantly, how he opened it up for JJ. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he JJ even said that he hasn't seen coverage like that for a long time. So <laughs> if if we got if he becomes if he usurps Thielen in that passing game, like that's only yeah. good things because Thielen's gonna be Thielen when he needs it. Yeah. So. How many yards did he end up with? Oh, I think it was Nine. seven was it for 90? 90? Wasn't it like seven or... for eighty or seven for ninety. Mm-hmm. 
what's funny with that is I think he had like three or four screens that went for negative yards. Yeah, so yeah. That's, <laughs> no, that's all those other ones. I'm talking about Hawkinson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Um, okay. Got it. He ended up with, I have the box score up. He ended up with oh, you 70 meant nine, nine targets. Catches. Nine targets, not yeah. nine. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. That's where I was mixed up. He did have nine catches, though. It was a nine catches, yeah. Yeah. Nine for 70. Nine for oh, seventy. Okay. So I was there saying seven. I was saying seven for ninety, but it's nine. There's, for okay. There. Uh, now that's those why damn screens turned around. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Sally, got well, it. do you have any uh, non-Hawkinson surprises from Washington? Well, I mean, again, I think the most surprising thing is that this is the first game where I have tweeted anything negative about the Vikings whatsoever. So, I which don't one know. was that? Um, in the third quarter, I said, okay. I called them pathetic twice. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. I've Normally, it's like 100 negative tweets a game, winning or losing. So I'm turned over a new leaf here. I don't feel like I'm getting enough credit for it, obviously. <laughs> but uh, the most surprising thing, um, I don't know. I, I, I shouldn't still be surprised by the defense, but I am. I didn't expect them, I guess, to be this dominant. I didn't expect Zadarius Smith to be this good. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've known we had high hopes that he was going to be good, but coming out of his situation from last year, I, I never thought that he was going to be getting all of these sacks and that they were going to be leading in interceptions and all of that. It's just unbelievable to me in a good way. Ron, was, was Evans your surprise or do you got one more for me? You know, well, I mean, I'll uh, piggyback off of what Sally said. The the way this defense has come around, I mean, like, I I always knew Hunter was a talent. I just thought maybe he was being misused, but maybe he just needed time. Um, he did. And that was he's, it. He's looking um looking like his old self, and him and Smith on the outside. And keep in mind, we're doing this essentially with a patchwork D line, like with you know James Lynch and um you know Blacklock and these guys that you know without Tomlinson, like you're replacing a big piece and you know i know tonga came in i think that's mm. his name kind of yeah. tonga yeah um he's that beef eater up front but they're they're doing a good job the linebacking course playing great the secondary um is is holding their own so um for me uh, I, the biggest surpri- surprise and this is uh, probably a negative but the Ed ingram i feel like has regressed in a lot of ways and he, there were multiple plays where he um you know, it, he looked like Udo or Dozier out there. And that part, um, I feel like could be problematic going forward. And I hope that's not the case. I hope it's just a young kid that's still learning his way. Um, but right now, like be, our bookends and our center have been like, they've been playing great. So if we can get consistent play out of our guard spot, um, this is, this could be really scary with Hawkinson in the mix as well. So I'd like to see that um, get short up, but. I'm also not a coach. Uh, so, Brian, we talked about the 2019 that you were a part of, and this is the first time the Vikings have been uh, seven and one through eight games since 2009. And obviously, that quarterback, Mr. Favre, is better than Kirk Cousins and has more of a clutch gene. But what is your temperature now? We got nine weeks in the books. What's your temperature on the team, Brian? I think it's um, they're doing a lot better than I expected. Uh, yeah. at, this <laughs> at this point, I don't think any of us thought that we'd be seven and one. We'll be seeing at seven and one this time a year. So, right now, I look at it; they're overachieving, and um, you know, way better than our expectations. Do you still personally need to see them beat somebody's ass, or as a player, do you not really care if they just keep winning these squeakers? 
I feel like the long as they keep just finding ways to win, is like that's all that really matters is just find ways to win. And like I said, because you remember we were on the other side of that stick like two years ago with finding ways to lose. <laughs> Yeah, so I I take this. I rather this. Just keep finding ways to win. Like, though it doesn't have to be close, but if it's got to be a dog fight and, you, and you're finding ways to win the end, I'm satisfied because at the end of the day, once you look back on the season, you're not going to think about each individual score of the game. You're going to know what the record was. You know, so yeah, yeah. And the only reason I bring up the ass beating thing is because to me, this team seven and one, there's really not tremendous buzz about it. I think everybody's just waiting to see if it's for real. And you know, I look the only other team that has a better record is the Eagles. So I'm like, <laughs> right. they're, they're the second best team right now, and nobody's really like mentioning it. It's like I thought that to myself. I was like, why does it seem like they're just under the radar still a seven and one team when the only best thing is eight and zero? Oh. And after that, they beat them. Yeah, somebody else has one loss. <laughs> you know, what the I'm saying? funny. The funny part is like because the disrespect that they continue to get, which I'm fine with, because I've seen teams that like are they're the heavy favorites, and then they like nothing happens. So I kind of like this under the radar. But they're like the seventh or eighth favorite, like to win the Super Bowl, like in mm-hmm. a lot of sports books. Which again, some of those teams I get it, but to have the Niners at whatever they're at four and four, four and five, whatever that record is, that's just asinine. Like to, yeah. to put a, um, like all the things that they want to criticize Cousins for. It's the same thing with Garoppolo, but even on a further on a bigger scale. So, um, you know, but again, I'll play it under the radar as long as we can and we'll see what happens. I think I think there's some even though like the power rankings and stuff that they are getting respected. They're usually about three, four or five. So it's not like they're you know down in the 15s, but the Vegas odds and whatnot. Uh, I still think it's like folks just feel like the Ravens and Cowboys on a neutral field are better. And maybe they are. And maybe, yeah, maybe they would just wax the Vikings. But uh, yeah, it, it, it it's the most under the radar seven and one ish team by the Vikings I've ever seen. And I've been a fan since 96. And I mean, there haven't been gobs of these teams, <laughs> but you don't have many to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but is this the third one? No, it's, it's the, it's the, Every time they do this, they go to the NFC Championship, 98, 2000, and 2009. And then even 2000, 2002. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even 2000. But 2000 was a lot like this. They they were ultimately won 11-5. They were winning close games. And only thing anybody mm-hmm. ever remembers about that season is the Portland NFC Dollar. Champion. Yep. And nobody cares yeah. about that, which rightfully so. Again, it ended sour. Uh, but let's use the temperature conversation, Sally, as a segue to get into the Bills. Uh, I, I teased at the beginning of the show that it's either Josh Allen, the MVP frontrunner, or Case Keenum, who we know. Mm-hmm. And I think a popular topic is who do we want to face? Do you want mm-hmm. to get a uh, nah, a more feasible victory against Keenum? Or do you want to go up against Allen to really judge your medal and see if how good you are? Well, I, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I, I feel like we've said on this show for several weeks that their true test is going to be this Sunday against the Bills. We've been looking at it on the schedule for a long time now, and we have said that might be their first loss. I do um, also like that they're flying under the radar, and I get really frustrated with people who keep pointing out the close games because – it's always the quote, good teams find a way to win. So why why does this not apply this year to this team? I don't understand. Uh, but I feel like we're not going to get a true gauge now of where the Vikings are either way, like we were expecting to, because even if Josh does play, he's not going to be at 100%. Sure. And if it's Case Keenum, well... I don't, I don't know how to feel about it. I, I, I guess I would 
prefer Josh play. I don't know why they're being so coy about it. If that is going to be the case case, haha. Uh, I just don't want to, I don't know. I want to see the true thing. And, but then obviously I don't think the case Keenum is going to fall into that same narrative that I always talk about with backup quarterbacks because we've beaten case Keenum as a backup quarterback since he has played Mm -hmm. for other teams. And I've watched case Keenum a lot, probably more than most people (laughs) since he's left Minnesota. And I don't see anything impressive about him. I love the guy more than anything, but so I guess I would rather Josh, but how bittersweet, well, bittersweet isn't the word, but if it's a case to digs sideline touchdown to end the game, <laughs> that's all I can see personally. Yeah. It, it, for all the storylines, it really would be, you know, the Cosmos aligning for cases first start as a bill. The whole reason they brought him in is so that he could be very light Josh Allen in these circumstances, which he would try to be. But with the Josh Allen stuff, I don't think he's going to play because of the evidence that's mounting. First, they were mom about it. They didn't say he's, you know, progressing the right way. They said it's a we'll see. It's quite literally what your mom told you when you were seven. We'll see if you can get that toy. And then <laughs> and then that pro football doc, David Chow, who's broke down the film, and the guy knows what he's talking about. He has a track record of getting it right, says that he's gonna miss this game and probably a couple more because they don't wanna, you know, monkey with the the nerve damage or anything like that. And then he didn't practice today. And then McDermott, the Bills coach, said we're going to take the common sense approach on this. And this is how it goes when you're leading up to tell your fan base on Friday that yeah, he's probably not going to play. This is why we have Case. Now, you can't take all that to the bank, but the evidence is starting to support that we're going to see Case Keenum. And even that makes me nervous because, I mean, he knows us. We know him, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, it's in Buffalo. And, you know, I don't have tremendous vibes about this one either way, but I never did. I looked at this when this game came out in April. and I was like, well, there's a big fat L, even if they're somehow mediocre. It's a big fat L because it just doesn't. It it feels like one of those Vikings games, road games that they're going to get it handed to them. I hope I'm wrong. Ron, your temperature after that depressing speech. Well, no, I mean, it's I think ultimately it's set up. It's a lose lose situation for the Vikings. If uh, if they if it's Josh Allen and they win. Well, you beat it, hurt Josh Allen. If it's Josh Allen and they lose, you couldn't beat it, hurt Josh Allen. If it's Case Keenum and any result, then, well, it's either you beat a backup or you lost to Case Keenum. So I think all this will be the biggest test in more ways than um, than are needed at this point in the year. But, yeah, to your point, it, I had it chalked up as a loss. There was no way, um, even as we sit now, there's no way I would sit here and emphatically say that we're going to win. Now, obviously, with Case under center, it does even that, that game up a little bit. Uh, but the Bills still, like, their defense has been, you know, as instrumental to that that team success this year as Josh Allen. Not taking anything away from him. He's been great, but he still has those modes where, like, on Sunday before he got hurt where the, I don't care, I'm going to throw it up. And he has that in him. So with case can do that, um, he can also make plays that aren't expected to be there. So um, we'll see, hopefully, you know, it's, it's a win regardless um, of who's under center, but I would rather see a fully healthy Josh Allen because I want this team to be tested. Um, And, you know, you, you, you know, the iron sharpens iron. Um, you get better as you play better teams. And the way this team is vibing, I think that they would have at least been able to make it, you know, interesting with a healthy Allen. So, um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens on Friday and the next couple of days with practice. 
Bryant, when you're, I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I just need to add this. The thing I'm probably most concerned about if Case Keenum plays is Twitter. <laughs> yes, so, really why. Because these people still can't get over. There's so many people that just hate Case Keenum for I don't know what reason. They're very so You mean Kirk Cousins or Case? No, they ha- uh. have to constantly put Case down because they uh. think they can only like Kirk or Kate. Like, you have to be in yeah. a camp. <laughs> So I see so many people still saying terrible things about Case Keenum for no reason. And then it's just going to spark up the whole Case versus Kirk debate again, like four years later. And I'm just, I don't, I'm just, I hate it. And I'm going to hate everyone. I already know. If they win. It makes no sense. Like you should, you used to shovel the guy's driveway, like calm down. (laughs) Be happy for him. Brian, there had to be, Brian, there had to be times maybe in that 2006 through 2008 era where you weren't sure who was going to be the quarterback and, um, you know, whether it was injury or just coach deciding who's it going to be. Um, from your position, I, you, know, you probably won't know too much about the defense side, like the Vikings are game planning, but how do you, how do you get ready for not knowing who the quarterback is going to be? Um, I think we kind of can tell during the week. Okay. That's um, a good point. Because um, they may rotate them, but then that come like Thursday or Friday, you can kind of tell who's getting more of the reps. Sure. And it's like, okay, they're like leaning towards Wednesday's probably the day where they're trying to evenly rotate. And then somebody's starting to get more of the reps on Thursday. And by Friday, you can tell who they plan on starting with because now they're in there getting a lot more. And you just have to get, you know, adjusted to that style of play because every, all those quarterbacks had different, you know, type of styles of play. And, um, that's also, you know, we, of course, like I said, we know, you know, before, like everybody else, would, like you already had an idea. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about this topic. I think it was two weeks ago, Sally, that I was, I was admonished about looking ahead to home field advantage. Uh, but there's been two wins, you know, of varying calibers of success. Well, at least of degree, they, they squeakers, roller coasters, but now they're seven and one. They have a four and a half game lead plus a tiebreaker on the Packers. And I think we could, y'all, could y'all believe that we're going into the season, you would have never thought that the no. Packers would be where they are, right? No, no. no I, I think my version of a regression for them was going from 13 and four to 11 and six. <laughs> that was what I thought would happen. I thought Rodgers would be able to figure it out. And the thing that's so strange is that his offensive line is still wonderful and the defense isn't atrocious and it's really him and the offense. And the guy was MVP in the last two seasons. So no, Bryant, no one. And it, it, it's hilarious to watch the Packers fans just be absolute toddlers about one speck of <laughs> adversity. And, you know, and it's like, you guys got to get used to this. This is how the rest of us live from time to time. <laughs> it's it's well, hilarious. This is the message. Don't do drugs. <laughs> don't do ayahuasca because clearly it, it's not working out. He said he's a different person since he's done ayahuasca before the season. He said that. Well, it's very obvious he is, it's, except he's even less happy, less, and, less athletic and less happy. And their biggest problem is that they've dug this hole so deep. Like it doesn't really matter now if they did a Packersian thing and turned it around because for them to win the division right now, they have to go eight. and zero, and the Vikings have to go three and six. That's that there is no other way for it to happen. They have they have to win every game and then the Vikings have to go, you know, complete 2016 nosedive style. 
So now it's just a matter of whether or not they can. God, are they three and six? If they can somehow get to a wild card, which would be new territory for them, and then go on a run. Um, but when we say that each week, then they come out and look like shit. And it's like, well, you guys got to actually do the run at some point. You can't just. You know. I think that's the problem. It's like you watch this team play, and I don't see an end in sight. Like even like it doesn't matter who you line up on the other side of it. It's they are just not playing well. Like whether you know, like Rogers, I think deserves a lot of the blame. Um, like because yes, there's been problems around him between like you know Bakhtiari's hurt a lot and whatnot. But he blames his receivers, which there are times that that's the case. But there's times when he's not because of his stubbornness, he just won't throw to someone and they're open. So his lack of trust in his receivers is then coming back to it, and then he's throwing three interceptions in the or in near the red zone against the lions so um i mean he deserves a lot of the blame he fell off a lot i just don't see, and then losing rashawn gary for the year that's gonna hurt mm-hmm. um you know they picked up jonathan abram today i guess so um but they i mean i love to see it because it's especially the way the vikings vibes are going but to see them in just a straight you know tailspin um it's fantastic to watch and the duality of it is that the guy that they traded away that helped cause this big fiasco for them is on an equally a shitty team. So it's like that the both teams mutually exclusively got terrible. And it's like, that's not how trades are supposed to work. You're supposed to either have highway robbery or empower one another. But these two teams, at least for now, just got worse. And imagine the like if they they miss their window of trading Rodgers uh, because yeah. if they trade him in the summer, they get the highest value possible coming up at two MVPs. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. Then they paid him, so they really have no outlook. And it's not like you can bench him for Jordan Love. Like, how are you going to sell that to to the fans? And then that's Rogers what they want. Just, it, well, well, I, or maybe not, the fans aren't the right. Like, Rogers would just then he's going to be the ultimate petulant child, and then instead of him retiring or finding a trade partner, it, why wouldn't he just sit his ass on the bench and collect his guaranteed money that he's getting? Yeah, and just not do anything. And it's no matter what happens, retirement or a trade or it's it's huge dead cap right now, and so I don't think there's any way to get around that. That's how. How big that, at least for two more years after this, they're going to be in some sort of cap hell. Cap hell. Well, I'm uh, sick of hearing him complain about it. He goes up there in the press conference and says that he's rethinking a lot of things and, and all of this. And he, as you said, he takes no responsibility for anything ever. <laughs> he had a ticket out of there and they had a ticket to get away from him, which seemed it was very obvious that it wasn't harmonious, as we said, all last summer. And he went back and did this. So he has no one to be upset with but himself. And he never will be. But I feel like if, if if this was the Packers that we know and loathe, I would feel pretty confident that they could go on somewhat of a run and get a wild card. Mm-hmm. But because the NFC isn't very good, mm-hmm. those wild card potential teams aren't very good. But I don't see how they're going to get it together. I watched a lot of that game Sunday and there was nothing. There was no chemistry. No one wanted to be there. Aaron, of course, doing his normal temper tantrums. And so I just don't know how it, how it could happen. Well, they got to start a team that I was going to say against a team that literally is waving the white flag that traded arguably their best player. Um, and you still, you still can't go on the road and and look like a competent team. And their schedule is hard. Yeah. It's more difficult. Yeah. They have, they they have in these eight games in order for them to get a wild card. Now they're going to have to go. Ooh, seven and one or six and two 
against the Cowboys and then the Eagles and the Titans. And so it just, <laughs> I keep trying to figure out ways for this to be too good to be true. Like, Oh, they're going to come roaring back, but they needed to start that roar rack out three weeks ago. And that's, you know, that's just too late, but Sally on the home field advantage thing. Now, um, <laughs> no, be serious okay. Okay. because, because they're the Vikings are a 98% lock uh, per 538.com to win the division. That means they have one, home playoff game now if they get the two seed that means they're going to have two so is now the time even though we don't have that blowout win is now the time to start you know sharpening our takes for this home field advantage or maybe even catch the eagles oh it's happening for sure i was i didn't want to talk about who they were going to play oh i see that i didn't want to pick out like who would you rather face in the first round? Because so much is going to change between now and then. And once we see them play Dallas and once we see them play other, the Giants who are going to most likely be well a playoff team if they stay on this track. So I didn't want to pick an opponent. But yeah, they're definitely getting at least one and hopefully they'll get two. I mean, that would be a really nice change of pace because the 9 team and the 17 team lost um, – blue major chances to lock that up for home mm-hmm. field advantage throughout. And I think that had a lot to do with those lost NFC championship games, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, there, I, I, I forgot what the question was now. No, is it fair <laughs> game to yeah, start looking at the home field I'm, advantage? I'm already looking at the weather report because <laughs> am I going to be tailgating or am I not? So yeah, it's <laughs> completely um, it can't be the playoffs and not tailgate. <laughs> I know, but what if it's like negative 15? Yeah, there's always, um, you know, <laughs> since I've been going to that stadium every year that we're allowed to since 2016, there's always one game that's cold as hell. And it's it's usually it's only one or two. The rest of it's, you know, pretty, pretty doable for Midwesterners. But there's one game where you have to take the Skyway if you're me, depending on where you park. And it's, you know, just cold. And so that's probably what you're looking at on your, your weather forecast that, you know, we're going to do this when it's frigid. Right. Well, yeah. On the Giants, this is completely looking ahead. When they when they come to play the Vikings, and so long as you know Kirk Cousins is healthy and Justin Jefferson, they're going to destroy that team. I'm telling you this right now because one of the dirty little secrets about the Giants is their offensive line still sucks. They have one good player, and that's Andrew Thomas. The rest of the guys, they're a bunch of Dakota Dozier types. And then the Saquon is their, their pride and joy. And the one thing that the Vikings defense does really well right now, somehow, is stop the run. So uh, that game, no matter what whose the record is, uh, I think the Vikings are going to take care of business, but that's a long time away. All right, any closing arguments for the group tonight before we we cap it, and then we'll do a post game Monday. Um, yeah, be nice to Case Keenum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't. I don't want him to win, but be nice to him. You know, the fans, not the Vikings. Such a weird guy to have the you know object of your ire because he's lovable. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I mean, he's getting the shift off from working in the team store, a day off from working in the team store. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so let that, let the guy have his moment. Bryant, any closing arguments from you, sir? No, I don't have any. All right, cool. Oh, and, well. and, the, and is anybody ultra concerned that the, Vi- like me, that the Vikings will lose to Case Keenum and the Bills? Well, just, yeah. I mean, it's always a, uh... Yeah, that's why I said it's a lose-lose because that's ultimately the worst-case scenario. But, uh, I mean, Case is a competent quarterback. He's just Mm -hmm. not a consistently competent quarterback, which is why he's bounced around. So everyone who's a Purple fan knows what he is capable of. And they're, 
I'm not saying he has a chip on his shoulder, like, but like that's one of those where you always want to show your ex how like how things could have been. Um, so he's gonna come out and he he's gonna play without a care. It's not like he's worried, like it's not his job. He's a yeah. placeholder, so he's gonna play as free as can be. And there's a reason why he's one of the all-time leading passers in college history, like because dude can sling it. Good situation for him. So um, I just hope it doesn't happen. I hope it's it's the other way around. Normally, I would agree, but almost every team in the league is Case Keenum's ex. <laughs> That's so. pretty good. This is the one. This is the one. Like the love that the love that was locked. Yeah, we were engaged. There was there was Uh-oh. magic here. Got like, left he at the get, altar. Yeah, he got paid yeah. by Denver, but there was magic here that uh, you know clearly. Like I don't think there's any animosity from him to this to everything because I think he's a smart enough guy. He gets it, but. Um, this is the one where I think he looks at it as if I have my chance and be able to show them that I could have been that guy. Yeah. Granted, those those decision makers are no longer here, but that would have yeah. been something. Well, All these- I was just going to say, I hope it doesn't come down to a 50 plus yarder kick. <laughs> we had a little redemption last week with Greg Joseph's boat. Yeah. Uh, I'll leave you guys with this thought on Keenum, which is basically uh, parroting what Ron said. This is when he's at his best. When he is not good is when they say, here you go, homie. You're the QB1. He did that one good time, and that was with the Vikings. Uh, as a as a starter, the Browns filling in, he was 2-0. He's great when you come in and say, hey, this is your game. Like You're, you're going to do this, and then the other guy takes over in a week or two. This is when he's at his best. His problems throughout his career is when they give him the crown and say, take us to the promised land. Then he turns into a dude who's usually 5-11 and 11 or 5-12 and 12 now. Um, so that's what that's what concerns me is that when the stakes are low, he's at his best. And, and he, there's just always that revenge factor. All right, group. Monday night, we'll be back to talk about this win, lose, or draw. Perfect. Can't All right. Have a, have a great weekend. All right. Yeah. Later. Have a good one. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.